Hey guys, it's Beth Fisher. Thanks for joining me today on episode number 10, where we're going to talk about joy and peace in believing who you are. So how many of us like don't always know who we are or sort of show up as an imposter version? You know, we're going to reference a little bit from Romans and kind of talk about how things would look if like Jesus didn't know who he actually was. So really glad you're here. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you continuing to join in on this podcast. And I hope, as always, that you guys continue to show up on your own journeys and be who you were created to be. So let's get rolling on episode number 10. Welcome to Immersively Biblical. Thank you for joining me today. Before we get started, I want to first, as always, say thank you, a giant thank you to Life Network for Women for having us all on here, sharing our hearts about Jesus, the trials and tribulations and stories and beliefs, everything that got us to the relationship that we find ourselves in today with our Lord and Savior. Because as we know, it's a bumpy, long road. So, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us here today. And I want to also let you know, too, you guys can find me at BethFisher.com. One of the things that I don't really do a great job of on here is kind of giving you a little bit of the backstory. So um, I, I'm an author, finally, um, public speaker. I was in corporate America for 25 years. I now work at a homeless shelter. So I work in the non-for-profit arena because I really just care about people knowing that they matter. And often people who are experiencing homelessness or experiencing um a circumstance, addiction, um, you know, whatever mental illness, uh, abandonment, something in life that has caused them to believe that they are not worthy, they are not loved, they are not seen, heard, valued. That's where my heart is. My heart is to say, that's not true. That's not the story of scripture. That's not why Jesus came. He came because we all have equal mattering. And I know that you guys have probably seen these magnets or bumper stickers or just sayings somewhere that said, or that say something to the effect of, if you were the only person, Jesus still would have gone to the cross. So there wasn't like some magic number of people that needed to be saved before God sent Jesus to the world. It's literally you, me, all of us. One was enough, like the lost sheep, right? The 99 that the shepherd has are all there, but one goes away, runs away astray. That's, that's what Jesus does, right? To the ends of the earth. He's like, you know what? I want all of you. And so part of my heart as well is to teach and encourage people to show up on their journeys and be exactly who God created them to be because that's enough. And so we are so societally and worldly and construct believing, right? We, we've all been conditioned to believe in these different ways that people tell us that we don't matter. Maybe it's a person in your life, a bad marriage, a bad relationship, a, a bad parenting experience, a bad friendship, a, another human being, another flawed themselves human being who has entered in your life at some point and made you somehow believe that you were lesser than what the Bible tells you. That's why I care so much about helping new believers get into the word. It's not to feel condemned. So let me say that again. My, my whole goal, my whole encouragement of bringing others into reading the Bible is not so you can go to this chapter and verse and feel like 
a no good, terrible sinner loser. Or so that somebody else in a church construct can say, see, see what it says right here? I told you, if you don't ship up and shape up and whatever, all the things that they threaten you with, then you're going to go to hell. I, to me, that's not very loving. That's not very Christian-like. And so there are different schools of thought. In fact, even since I've been on this podcast and um, this this video episode and just kind of putting myself out there. I've already begun to receive feedback and questions that say, you know, your interpretation of scripture, that's when I start to smile because I want to finish the sentence by saying, is not the same as your interpretation of scripture. And that's okay. That's okay. Because to me, there are two things in the 66 books of the Bible that trump everything else that's in there. And those are these instructions. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's also known as the Shema. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Those two things. On those two rules, on those two things, Jesus said, everything else hangs. So if you don't get those two things right, if you don't love God, you're not in relationship with God, and you don't love people well, your neighbors, which neighbors, you guys, every human being on the planet. Okay, nobody's excluded from being a neighbor. If you don't do those two things right, all those other rules, kind of what's the point, right? That is why I'm here. So I want to just, you know, share that with you guys. That's been a bit about my journey. Um, I, as I mentioned, finally wrote a book and now actually I'm going to read this to you at the end of this, um, this episode from a workbook. So I have my, um, released book, um, less than a year ago, Remorseless, Learning to Lose Labels, Expectations and Assumptions Without Losing Yourself. And the companion workbook. That's where I'm going to read from later. So I do an awful lot of personal professional development uh, coaching. I do leadership training. I love nothing more than going into um, organizations and talking about culture, talking about how people show up on their journeys in their in their own respective worlds among the course of their days. How, how are people showing up? Are they inauthentic? Or do they feel that they are seen, heard, valued, and that they are enough exactly who they are, which might mean they don't have all the answers, which might mean that they're going to do it a different way than you do it, which might mean that they, they bring a whole new level of energy and a different perspective and all those things are good. So BethFisher.com is where you guys can find me. Today, I thought we would start in Romans. In fact, that's where we're pretty much going to camp the entire time. So I'm in um, Romans chapter 15. And I want to start at verse 13, Romans 15, 13. This is what Paul says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So many things packed in here. Let's start to kind of go through that just a little bit. May the God of hope You guys, we serve, we are in relationship with a God who wants us to have good things, who says, have hope, be hopeful, even even in the midst of adversity, especially in the midst of adversity, have hope, right? Be hopeful that there are better days yet to come. Be hopeful that you are in process and preparation for a transformation to happen, for the person that I know, I, God, know, I made you to be. That person is being shaped every day. So if you are feeling like maybe you've let somebody down or you've sinned so badly that you're just never going to have any potential, then you've lost all hope. And what this says is may the God of hope 
So you guys, if you believe in God, and maybe it is right now your faith is as small as a mustard seed. Maybe it's like so just dismal and you're like, I don't know, I'm hanging on by a thread here. I kind of think there's a God, but there might not be. And I don't know, I can't reconcile all the hurt and the anger and the difficult things in life. So maybe, maybe not. But if you believe in God in any capacity right now, you have hope because God is a God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace. Hear this part in believing. Okay. So part of my experience has been when I went back to school and I um, studied theology, I really wanted to understand what scripture said because I, I couldn't figure out what it said. I couldn't reconcile the things that I thought I had heard on Sunday mornings my entire life in a Catholic church. I couldn't reconcile that against the behaviors that I saw in the world, in church, at home, in school, with my friends, just, you know, with other humans. It didn't matter where. And, and hear me when I say this, I did not grow up around bad people. I have a very loving family. I had great friends. I had a great community. Um, but everybody is very much a sinful, flawed human being who's also just trying to figure it out, right? To figure out this journey of life. So sometimes when people are so frustrated, they don't like themselves. They don't know who they are in Christ. They just lash out. They lash out at you and they take it out on you and they try and tear you down to elevate themselves, like basically so they can start to feel better about themselves. It's classic middle school behavior, you guys. Do you ever just, especially as a female, right? Girls in middle school are so mean. Like not just a little bit mean, they are brutal. They will just go at you with all of the words and actions and isolation and ways to basically keep you from feeling like you fit in and belong. I'd like to say it's um, only in the middle school construct where that goes on. The older we get and the more life that we live, we start to realize that that's where we first discover that kind of behavior, like in full. I'm sure it happens even before then, but that's like sort of the formative years when you start to say, wow, people are mean. Like she wasn't really my friend. I thought this person really cared about me and they're talking behind my back and I don't know who I am and I'm very angsty. So while those formative years are probably um, sticking with all of us, right? It doesn't necessarily stop. That's, that's what I want to say. As unfortunate as it is, the behavior itself from other people who are not hopeful in God, who are not filled with joy and peace, that behavior still happens. So how do you get through it? I mean, how, how do you say then I'm just not going to believe in God, or I'm not going to read the Bible because the Bible tells me to be filled with hope, but people keep coming at me and I'm not very hopeful that people like me or, and I feel very excluded. So what do you do? Um, where do you turn inward? That is where you've got to turn. You guys, you have to, at some point in the course of your journeys, believe that you matter because until you like yourself, you're not going to have the capacity to like anybody else until you love and accept yourself until you love and accept who you are, exactly who you are. And, and that means all the stuff in your past that you've done wrong. That means all the thoughts in your head that are like, whew, man, it's a good thing that nobody can live upside in my head right now. <laughs> they might, might not ever want to be around me again until you can accept 
that those things are all okay, that God loves you anyway, in spite of, and already knows those things anyway. But until you accept that, you can't then accept somebody else. Until you love yourself, you cannot love somebody else. So those two things I talked about, love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If everything else hangs on that, love, but you're not loving who you are, then how are you going to have everything else hang on that? How are you going to be able to say when somebody comes at you with an interrogation or with an accusation or questions the way that you read the Bible, how are you going to be able to say with confidence, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm not going to waver on my beliefs. Again, peace in believing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing in believing until you believe in who you are how are you going to believe in all the things that you stand for it took me an awful lot of years you guys to believe accept acknowledge and proclaim that the way that i think is how i think it's how i've always thought if i'm honest but i did a pretty fantastic job of pretending i didn't think that way to fit in and I wanted churches to welcome me and not kick me out. I wanted um, people I was in relationship with to like me, right? To see value in me and to, to want to be around me. Um, but that came at a cost. And I talk about this a lot on here. Jesus knew exactly who he was when Jesus, fully human and fully God, came to the earth to save us, to hang on a Roman cross and die for us, right? A brutal death. He knew exactly who he was. Imagine if Jesus wavered. Imagine if somebody who accused him, which happened all the time as we know, but imagine if even just once Jesus bought into that and he was like, oh yeah, well, maybe I am just a prophet. Maybe I am just a guy. Maybe I am just a carpenter. Maybe I am, you know, just a, a 12 year old boy who's going to hang out in the temple for a little bit longer. And, uh, you know, kind of do what I want to do. Maybe I'm just a, a kid. Maybe I'm a normal guy. We would not have the gift of salvation. We would not have eternal life, the hope of eternal life, if Jesus hadn't believed in exactly who he was. I'm not sitting here saying that we're Jesus. Clearly, we are not. We are flawed, sinful human beings, but we have purpose. We have mattering. We have meaning. We have worth. We have value. We are not the things that somebody who doesn't accept themselves says about us. We're not the things that somebody else labels us. We are not the final assumption that somebody made about us. We are not at all somebody who has to live under the heavy, heavy burden of someone else's expectations of us. I expect you to be this way, so we better be this way. No, no. You are exactly what scripture says you are. Holy, loved, unconditionally loved, forgiven, right? You are all of the things that we read about in scripture. So my encouragement to you as always is just to go to the book, go to scripture and say, I'm going to learn a little bit more about God who lives within me, right? Because if I go on here, so again, I'm in Romans 15, I read verse 13, but now if I go to verse 14, let me tell you what Paul says. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, 
ancestors, that you yourselves are full of goodness, full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Okay. So if we're filled with goodness, and we are, because we have the Holy Spirit living and breathing actively inside of us, right? God with us, Emmanuel with us. Since God is within us and God is the ultimate source of goodness, then by default, sort of by extent, extension, we're good too, you guys, right? Known for the company that we keep, I'm keeping company with Jesus, like living and breathing active inside me and you. So if you can just believe with joy and peace that it's not always going to go according to plan, it's not, and that people are going to come at you and people are going to question the way that you read the Bible and people are going to question your past decisions. But you know what? Your past decisions don't define you because here's the thing. People who know better do better. Until you knew God, did you really fully believe that you were good? No. And if you didn't believe that you were fully good and you mattered and had worth and value, did you probably make decisions that were not indicative of those things? Yep, probably we all do. Not probably, yes, we all do. We all say it doesn't matter anyway because we don't matter. We don't think that we matter. So you are not defined by your past. And Paul says, now, and Paul was kind of a hard guy to, to convince, right? It took him a lot of like 17 years, I think, after the road to Damascus when Jesus was like, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? Like, what are you doing down there? And it took him a long, hard journey too. Paul was like shipwrecked and beaten and imprisoned. And the, the dude lived just like a really difficult life, but he never, ever, ever, once he became in a relationship with Jesus, questioned it again. Once he fully accepted that he was good, even with the thorn in his side, even with the way that people came at him, even when people cursed him and persecuted him and, and just didn't believe in the same things that Paul believed in, it didn't matter to Paul because he still showed up every day on his journey knowing full well who he was. Doesn't mean that we're on a time schedule to get there. It took Paul a lot of years, takes us a lot of years. So I want you to just say, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Okay, so this whole time together, I'm teaching, I hope, how to believe in who you are, how to believe in yourselves. Let me read this last bit from you. It says, I believe the image of God. These are my words writing um, in the beginning of the Remorseless Workbook. I believe the image of God or the Imago Dei is not so much something we have, but something we are. Humanity was constructed to be a graphic image of our creator, an orderly, visible, and understandable representation of who God is and what he's really like. And once we know what God is really like, reason would have it that we can finally get down to the business of what we are really like, not what others have labeled us, assumed about us, expected of us, come at us about, questioned us about, right? Once we know who God is, then we can get down in the business of figuring out who we are too. As an author, teacher, and passionate inspirer of humans, I frequently sense the presence of something transcendent, an authentic order of being, if you will. And I have come to rely on it transcending my own limited, inauthentic beliefs. As much as I loathe labels, I hate labels, you guys, I hate labels. As much as I loathe labels, when people call me inspirational, I take that descriptor as one of the highest literal compliments. Divine inspiration is, after all, 
the idea that the Holy Spirit is responsible for inspiring the authors of the greatest love story of all time. Scripture, 66 books of the Bible, the greatest love story of all time. And that it is always, always speaking truth. A higher voice than my own, or your own for that matter, empowers us. Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. The God of creation, inspiration, and authentic teaching seems to agree. There's a categorical difference between having ears and having ears to hear. In scripture, the two are contrasted. Those who let the word of God pass straight through their ears, kind of like in one ear and out the other. And those who truly listen and seek understanding. You guys, when somebody comes at you and says, I don't understand the way that you read scripture, it doesn't have to be confrontational. If they are truly seeking to understand the way that you are reading, you are doing your own biblical interpretation, that's okay. That encourages maybe different perspectives. But don't forever, for one second, think that just because somebody tries to tell you what it says, that the way that you're reading it is wrong. That's not true. Some individuals hear the word, yet they don't allow it to take structural hold because the allure of worldly pleasures and comfort overcomes them. Other people end up rejecting the word altogether because of trials and adversities, and others yet hear the word and open themselves to understand and accept it so it transforms them. These are the people that we seek to be, you guys. Other people hear the word and open themselves to understand and accept it so it transforms them. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, in believing. That is the goal of your journey within these pages and within your life thereafter. At the end of this, whether you say, I am a believer, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, however you identify, however you label it, it's not the point. The point is that you say, I am me. I am exactly who God created me to be. That's the game changer. The rest will take care of itself from there. For most of us, the extreme pressure to buy into a religious construct is what took us off the path and away from ourselves in the first place. No thanks. We aren't going back to that kind of pressured thinking. Back is always the wrong direction. At the heart of showing up in the world as you were created to be is an experience whereby your authentic construction, the way that God made you, collides into a spiritual union. The heart of a spiritual union happens when there is no longer a delineation, a divide between the secular and the sacred. Those who speak in mystical terms generally refer to their pursuit as meaning the aim at the union with the absolute, the infinite, or God. But they seldom see this pursuit as equating to themselves wholeheartedly. Christians are not the only labeled group of people who wonder who they really are. The collision between human construction and a spiritual union is what you are seeking to forge a lifelong alliance, spiritual being to spiritual being, with the great constructor. Accepting this concept and pursuit can exceedingly expand your daily living in authenticity and actionable possibilities. As you work with the tools and teachings in this book, undertaking the weekly tasks and challenges, significant changes will be set in motion. Supreme among these changes will be the prompting of co-evality. We grow and change and transform and the universe and our existence in it expands with that growth and transformation. In fact, it encourages it. 
My intellectual side refers to this as they who join themselves to the Lord become spiritually one with him. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 17. While my irreverent and humorously indecent side refers to the supreme change of coevality as get your stuff in order. You can imagine what it says in the book. <laughs> get it together, people. Right? This is what it is. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. God made us to be with us. God made us as the perfect constructor of all things in this universe. Yes, we're broken. Yes, we're flawed. Yes, we sin. Yes, we don't have it all together. But that is okay. Accepting it is okay. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that it's okay, in believing that the way that you read scripture is okay, in believing that how you think, who you are, what you've done, who are you are, are turning into and transforming and becoming, that those things are all okay and giving you hope so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in that hope. Paul says, I myself am satisfied with you, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Instruct one another in love, you guys. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes that means instructing your neighbor in a way that you might not instruct a neighbor down the street. Know your audience, know who you're talking to, know and respect where they are on their journey of acceptance, believing in who they are, believing that they matter, and know and trust that that is enough always, that God has given you gifts and abilities and goodness because he lives within you to be able to do those things. So I hope that was an encouragement to you. I, again, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Remorselessly Biblical. Thank you for continuing to show up on your own journeys. Uh, remember that you can find me at BethFisher.com. You can find the Remorseless Workbook, which is uh, subtitled A Journey to Losing Labels, Expectations, and Assumptions, and Finding Yourself. You can find that on Amazon. Um, on my website as well, we'll take you there. So again, just thank you for showing up. Keep being exactly who God created you to be. And remember to be remorseless. Peace.